You're listening to the CISO Secret Podcast, brought to you by Checkpoint. And now welcome your host, James Azar. Hey folks, welcome to the inaugural rookie episode of CISO Secrets here, James Azar. I'm so excited to welcome you to our inaugural episode because I brought on an amazing guest, like one of my favorite CISOs on this planet. Um, a former serviceman, just an all-around great guy, um, one of my favorite people. Brian, welcome to the show. How's it going, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to being on the inaugural uh, show. So thanks for having me, James. You know, I'm so excited to have you on the show because I said if we're gonna do, if I'm gonna do this and we're gonna kick this off, what better than to kick it off with a, with an all-around badass, right? Like the ultimate marine. The guy who's who's just it for security. No, thank you. I appreciate. It. You know what's interesting too? Is you picked a great day to do the inaugural uh, 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 podcast because today's the Marine Corps birthday. So uh, I know. Semper Fi, happy Semper birthday, Fi. Marines! Happy birthday, Marines! What is it? Two hundred and seventy-five. Two hundred forty-five years. Two forty-five. Two forty-five. Here we here we are. Two hundred forty-five years later, and we started in a bar. You know, that's where all great things happen. They happen (laughs) in a bar. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Brian, before we get started a little bit, I know today you're you're at HBO Max, but your career path is fascinating. So before we get into cloud security, folks, and today's topic is cloud security, Brian and I are going to dig deep. I'll give Brian just a minute or two to give you guys a little background. If you don't know who Brian is, um, you know, as I said, he's a Marine, a brother, but go for it, buddy. Let, let, Let our audience know how you got started in cyber. No, thanks. Appreciate it, James. Uh, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I, I uh, you know, most most folks uh, when they when they get out of the service, they they you know thinking about either you know going back to school or, or or something like that. I chose to go go back to school, and I actually chose tech. I wanted to get into tech. It was something that I was I was really passionate about. Um, and I had a, a, a professor there, Dr. Michael Goldner, and uh, he said, uh, you know, there, there's a new program here, and, and it's all about information security. And he said, "You you you fit the mold for somebody that would 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 be you know suited for that field, you know, a discipline, structure, uh, something like that." And kind of listened to him, and and I actually ended up getting my degree in in in, in cyber. And this is like 2005, right? This is uh, before it was more popularized like it is now. Uh, so that's how I actually got started from from an education perspective. My first job um, after I had graduated was uh, with this, with Accenture. I actually started consulting with Accenture. I was there for about a year. Uh, did, I had a lot of fun. Uh, got, got to experience a lot of different uh, environments. I think it polished a lot of my soft skills, you know, coming out of the military. Uh, you know, your, your communications is a little bit different than how you're dealing with the private sector. So that year and a half or that, that year that I spent with, with Accenture really helped polish a lot of my soft skills so that I could articulate and communicate security concepts uh, in the business world. Uh, shortly after that, uh, I went to go work for my first startup. Uh, and that was Vonage, um, and that was uh, uh, in, in, in Homedown, New Jersey, and in, I'm from New Jersey, uh, so it was great. Uh, it was an awesome commute. Uh, I, I was there for about three years. Uh, saw, saw Vonage uh, go public, which I thought was an exciting time, uh, uh, you know, for for, for Vonage. Uh, new industry, right? It was a voice over IP from your traditional telco, you know, using the internet for for, for voice services, which I thought was was cool and innovating. So I was there for about three years. Uh, and then shortly after that, um, uh, Sony Music. I actually got the opportunity. Sony Music had uh, opened up a, a position for, uh, for for security, and it was right around the time that Sony had just been bought back from BMG. 
so they were they were public at that time, and uh, uh, you know buying them back made them public again, or that dynamic opened up this role. Um, so I was there for for almost three years, and it was my first time being kind of like a creative environment and, and being in a creative, uh, working with a creative workforce, um, and, and that was a lot of fun. Just seeing how the the music uh, business was was run at that time, and and seeing the transformation of kind of like CDs to digital distribution. Uh, and seeing kind of like the birth of, of a lot of these services that you see now that, that, that you know, uh, for, for streaming music, uh, which I thought was cool. Uh, and then after that, I went to go work for Condé Nast. Uh, same type of transition, seeing kind of like the publishing industry go to digital distribution. Um, I was there for almost four years uh, leading up their security. Had a lot of fun there. It's my first time moving uh, an organization or helping transition an organization from an on-prem infrastructure to 100% cloud, uh, and, you know, into AWS. Uh, so that was fun. Um, after that, I went to go work for a financial services startup uh, called Abacus. Uh, it was a great, great uh, few years that I was there. Uh, then ZocDoc. Uh, ZocDoc was a was, uh, uh, pretty large startup here in New York uh, and took them to the cloud, saw them uh, flourish, servicing nine to 10 million customers a month or patients a month. Uh, really mission driven, really awesome, awesome organization to work with. And now here I am at, uh, at HBO Max having the privilege to uh, lead the security team. And it's funny because your whole career is around transitioning to a more digital side, like watching that transformation. Yeah. And now you're in HBO Max, right? Which is like the, I think, will soon be the number two streaming service in the country by the time it's all said and done, by the time yeah. all the chips settle. Yeah, we're going for number one. We're going to, we're going to try to redefine the, the, the industry. But uh, I hope so. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. HBO fan. And I think you guys should read The it. Sopranos in 2020. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, right. Uh, I have no say in that, but uh, no, I appreciate the support. So let's talk a little bit about cloud security. You've done multiple cloud transitions. What's one of what's kind of like the most challenging aspect of maybe going from an on-prem environment to a cloud environment from a security perspective? It's the fear, man. A lot of the stuff is when, when you're looking at on-prem is very comfortable. It's a very comfortable situation. You could touch, you could feel, you could, you see where your hardware is. You have an understanding. You get the concept of, you know, this is this is there. When you when it, it's getting rid of that fear of, hey, when you're moving your infrastructure to a cloud-based, uh, uh, you know, environment, moving to AWS, GCP, Azure, whatever cloud flavor you're going with, um, it's it is that fear of. How do I ensure that I'm getting uh, uh, what I need? Understanding the shared responsibility model, I think, is very crucial uh, when you're transitioning from an on-prem to, to cloud. Is saying, what am I, when I lose the on-prem uh, uh, aspect of, of my infrastructure, what am I responsible for versus what is the, the, the cloud provider responsible for? And then basing the foundation of your security program on that shared responsibility model. That's how, how you break down that fear so that you can build uh, uh, your, your program with, with your migration. You should, you know, it, it's moving to the cloud. Everybody likes different approaches. There's your lift and shift. Or there's your actual rebuilding your architecture from a security perspective. We prefer the latter, right? Rebuilding. Uh, but, but the cloud does give you the opportunity when you're migrating to start fresh really get rid of all of those old habits and kind of like maybe data you don't even need or infrastructure you're not really using. Uh, so again, that reduces your footprint and your attack surface from a security perspective as well. Yeah, th there's a lot of advantages to cloud, obviously. On-prem is still, we still see a lot of on-prem. Like a lot of very large organizations are still very much on-prem. 
But you talked a little bit about kind of what's your responsibility and what's the cloud provider responsibility. And there's always a lot of misunderstandings over what's their responsibility and what's yours. What is kind of like your best practice? What's your checklist on what's my responsibility? What's their responsibility? And what do you expect from your cloud provider? That's a great question. Here, look, you got to know what you're putting in the cloud, right? Um, I, I think how I like to look at it is they are responsible or they help and they share in the responsibility of maintaining the infrastructure of the cloud. But the data that you put on top of that cloud or the applications that you're running or building on top of the cloud, that is 100% your responsibility. How you secure it, how you're transferring it, how it applies to your applications, how it applies to your customer base, that is all your responsibility. But I think that underlying infrastructure where the, where, you know, where the cloud providers give you, that is theirs. And that's really kind of like the hardware side of it, right? What I do expect from my cloud provider is true partnership. When I'm building out my architectures or I'm looking to actually uh, do something different from, from a, a secured perspective with the cloud, I want my partner with me and saying, this can be done, this can be done, how we could share some of that responsibility of building and, and, and even and, and how to do it properly. You know, I, I leverage your cloud providers 100% when, you, when, you're, when you're architecting and building. So that's what I expect for, from, from, from my partners for sure. Yeah, you know, you've been on, on, on many sides of cloud transformation, right? You've been on the enterprise side with Sony BMG and kind of watching that shift to the digital music with Condi Nest and publishing. That was a huge shift. I think no one quite comprehended. I, I think there's no larger shift from traditional media to digital media than the publishing industry because that changed their entire business model, their overhead cost, the way they hire, the way the publishing you know industry operates. I mean, you're talking about transformational changes and then ZocDoc being a startup. So as, as you're kind of doing that, what are some of the tips you got around the transition into the cloud from working with, you know, large organizations to a startup? Which one was easier? I would say the startup was a little bit easier just because of the size. I think that, um, uh, you know, large organizations like your, your Condes and your Sony Music, it's all about transitioning that data, right, or transitioning that entire service service arm. Uh, ZocDoc was a little bit easier because of the size. I think it was more manageable to move that infrastructure into the cloud. Um, it was also uh, easier to, to get the organization on board because we were a pure technology company. Right. And, and kind of like looking at uh, my daughter kind of wanted to come into to, to, uh, to the conversation. <laughs> that's, the, had to, that's the beauty of it, man. Yeah. So with ZocDoc, uh, again, it, the, the pure technology company. So that excitement to actually do it, I think that helped a lot with pushing things forward. So uh, uh, that, that, that was that, that was kind of like fun. And there there she goes. There's <laughs> my daughter kind of like. Uh, OK, uh, give me one second. Thanks for your patience, James. Sorry about that. No worries. And I'll repeat my question. All right. Go ahead. So we talked about the transition from, you know, going cloud, you know, with larger organizations to smaller organizations. You started to tell us a little bit about ZocDoc, so that it was a little bit easier there. Yeah, it was a little bit easier. Just one, the size of the organization, the agility of the organization is a pure technology company. So shifting and moving their entire environment to the cloud was, it was, uh, I think, easier. Uh, the other thing was, it, candidly, it was, it was fun to actually rebuild 
that 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 entire environment, uh, you know, from the ground up with 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 AWS and and moving it into the cloud. So I think that's why I think it was it was easier for for that that aspect. I did see a lot of value in the larger organizations doing it from an operations and overhead perspective. Seeing how much um, you spend from uh, you know, a data center perspective and maintaining infrastructure. And when you look at, at kind of like infrastructure, right, how much of a server's capacity are you actually using? But when you own a data center, you own 100% of that capacity, but you might only be using 10%. So your cost is so much more than what you're getting value out of it, right? So uh, seeing the business value of larger organizations moving to the cloud, I saw that tremendously with Conde and, and, and kind of like Sony Music, seeing that value that the cloud brings from a cost perspective. Yeah, it's it's almost like a meeting room in an office building, right? It's 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 a large space, but it's maybe only used twenty percent of the time. There you go. Um, yeah. uh, cloud does have a lot of advantages. Let's talk a little bit about the the aspect of just understanding your cloud partners, right? Because you know we talk a lot. You hear in the cloud security world all these different frameworks, but but we hear security frameworks. We haven't seen cloud security frameworks per se like the cloud security alliance has a lot of great tools and whatnot do you think there's going to do you think there's going to be a security shift to a cloud type of framework that that's gonna kind of set the bar i think there will be eventually look i i think cloud and any cloud that you're using whether it's you know your big three or, or however you look at it each of them has their own flavor of technology their own flavor of kind of like customer customers are attracted to one cloud for their business model versus others so i think to centralize it from a security perspective i think will be a little bit challenged you'll have some foundational cloud things that you could do but i think it's always going to come back down to that CISO, that security owner that extreme ownership that the security team has to choose which cloud is going to be more flexible for them or more appropriate for their for their business um, last year at, at uh, I, I actually got to meet uh, 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 Phoenix University's CISO uh, and, and he was saying something very interesting that um, they use all different clouds and they let the application and service owner decide which cloud is going to be more appropriate for their service so from a security team perspective he actually has to go and, and look at that and I thought that was very visionary and very uh, uh, open to actually see that they're not just saying their security applies to one cloud. They were letting the service owners dictate which, what they wanted to do, and then their security models would go on top of that. And I thought, very visionary, challenging probably to manage, uh, but I just thought that is probably where you're going to see a lot of security models go, is that you're going to follow the application and the data and not so much the cloud, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah, um, kind of. I mean, we're seeing the idea of like a multi-cloud provider environment and a lot of the challenges True. with, True. you know, being on, you know, irregardless to which cloud provider, you know, whether it be AWS or GCP or Azure or any other, um, th there, there's challenges in terms of performance and communication and different aspects of those things that also hinder security. I mean, Operating True. in a bad data center, uh, operating out of a bad cloud cloud provider, or operating at a lower performance cloud provider could cause security issues down the road. Because guess what, your opponents know when you're running two seconds behind, and they know how to come in and take advantage of that two second gap. Oh, they totally the opposition research. They do it. You should do it at one hundred percent. I agree with you. I one hundred percent agree with you. I still think there's security tenants that could be uh, adopted, like for each 
uh, not for each cloud, just as a cloud, uh, you know, user in security that could be adopted for each each cloud that could be centric. But I don't know if you're going to be able to say this standard or, or CIS is, has great standards. And, and you know, there, there's a lot of stuff, frameworks are around cloud, but I just don't see one actually being one that is going to want to rule the ball or something that everybody's going to be able to follow. I still think cloud gives you a lot of customizations and a lot of automations that you're not going to see in, 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 a, in a framework, uh, I don't think initially, or a security framework. Yeah, but but you you, you kind of see where, you know, a need for something in the cloud is necessary. I mean, think of this. Right? Oh, there is. There's always going to be a need. You've sat in, in three major, I'd say, Fortune 50, comp Fortune 100 companies, right? Whether it be what you're doing now with Warner and HBO or uh, Sony BMG. I mean, Sony BMG, people forget, was a Fortune 100 company. That was a Sony yeah. organization, folks. That, yeah. was a, that was a cash cow in, 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 in 20 years ago. And, and it, still, it still is till today, right? You know, when you're in a big company, the resources, the idea to build cloud is different from now when you're having to look down your supply chain. It's almost if you had a standard, it might be easier to vet the people who connect into your cloud, how data is going between true. you and others. H how do you deal with kind of that supply chain thread on the cloud? Because that's something that I know keeps me awake at night a lot of times. That's a great question. When you look at, at uh, kind of like the supply chain, I think... We build a lot in, in the cloud. We, we, we like to take advantage of native cloud services and the marketplace. If you look at a, a lot of the, the top tier vendors out there, their tools are, are available in the marketplace, which make it available to our engineers uh, to take advantage and use that as part of their architecture and their design. Uh, it helps us control, and I don't want to use the word controls, manage helps us visualize and, and help, you know, feed that that architecture, uh, you know, with 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 our engineering teams. Um, so we do manage it through through our marketplace and, and, and really looking at, at, at how we're building within the cloud and, and doing a lot of custom uh, uh, kind of like architectures, I think, help from a security perspective, too. Our threat models become a little bit more focused as well when you're building and uh, building natively instead of taking advantage of tools and then incorporating into your architecture. So. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 to me, when, when you're building natively in the cloud, there's a lot of advantages because you control it and it's scalable and the scalability of it is, 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 is a click of a button and you're scaling, a click of a button and you're scaling. And especially with the way the cloud providers have made it so easy to, 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 to essentially duplicate images and, and just scale them is, is, is magnificent. But that also kind of creates a a bit of a security threat in the scaling aspect because the need for for dev devops to really be devsecops generates a whole a whole new set of challenges that are human related rather than technology enabled you're 100% correct and and human related look there's always going to be the human element in everything we do Right. Um, I, the other thing that I like when it comes to, to to cloud is the ability for security teams to automate and really take advantage of the cloud services. To uh, to your point, look, it opens up security challenges. We've been doing this for you know many many years using traditional tools and still having the same problem. Right now, we have the ability to actually leverage uh, these services and build our automations on responses that we are now going to be effective. Right. I don't like tools that just give you an alert. Uh, and a lot of third-party tools still do that. They just, hey, I'm letting you know something's happening. I appreciate it, but given the the, the staff that we have, uh, security still has security teams are, are always uh, smaller than your traditional engineering team. So I don't want to be wasting resources on on ghost alerts. I want to be able to have my resources strategic, 
focused and be able to take those services and use it to automate our responses and get ahead of maybe a, perhaps a misconfiguration or get ahead of a possible attack that is happening on, on, on our cloud infrastructure so that, that we could do, uh, you know, security as code and leveraging a lot of what we do. We codify a lot of our response uh, so that we're, we're taking that human element out of these, the, you know, our response capability or our response uh, 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 time. Right. And, and that helps a lot. And you could do that with the cloud. Traditional uh, vendors, it's hard to actually get that automation out of there. Yeah, I agree. I'm a, I'm a system of automation. If I can't automate it, I don't want it. If I got to hire 10 people to run your tool, I'm not buying it. Period. Exactly. Discussion. Like done. Like don't waste your time. Right. Like you're not solving my problem. You're creating a whole new set of problems for me. You know, it's like plug in one hole while. Leave another ten, seven open up yeah another seven open up there is is a whole different aspect to it the cloud does solve some of that because the cloud allows for better automation and better thousand percent i don't know if the cloud gives you as much visibility though i mean one of the challenges in security in the cloud is always visibility because you have your devops team and every team kind of has its own cloud environment and marketing and operations and finance True. and some of those people have devops put up you know hey we want to try this do something in the cloud and you get these databases that are out there that don't have a password that people forget to kind of turn off. What are some of your best practices on that? On, on yeah, making no, sure that no one leaves something out in the wild just sitting there with some data? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. One is finding out if you have these rogue clouds that you don't know about, that your security team is not aware of, right? And one of the first things that I do when I, when I, when I get into an organization is be very friendly with your finance team. <laughs> because somebody's paying for that cloud, right? You follow the money, you'll find data, you'll find the cloud, right? So it'll help you get that inventory if there are, like to your point, like if marketing has a SaaS tool that they're using that you'd have no visibility to, right? It's leveraging that that partnership that you have to identify those areas. I think that's one. Once you have that inventory and, and really you could put put some, some uh, you know, intentional t the, uh, uh, targets behind it and solutions behind it, I think that's one. Two is understand the pipelines for those teams. So that marketing team, what I mean by pipeline is how are they, what are they using, right? Why are they using that, that cloud? What are they delivering to it? What are they pulling from it? Understand that pipeline. Once you understand those pipelines, you could put your security controls in so that you don't get in the way, right? They're doing it for a business need. Right. It's not like they're going out there to be rogue or, or, or kind of like want want to be, you, you know, do anything from a malicious perspective. Uh, so understand that from a business perspective and, and just put those guardrails around that pipeline and saying this is what we need to control or why this is being being done or how we could visualize in the event that something negative does does kind of like happen. And if you can pull those things into a more centralized pipeline, uh, that's what you should be be working towards, uh, you know, once you go through that exercise. So let's have this conversation around SaaS. SaaS to me is a CISO's supply chain nightmare, and, and, right? I mean, everyone has a SaaS product or tool. Every department has a SaaS, multiple in some cases, dozens of them in other cases, where it's APIing or giving you data, feeding you data, plugged into one part of the business, not to the other. Somewhere in the middle, someone is building something to collect all these different SaaS tool data points and give you some sort of data lake. And, you know, you try to whiteboard it and you end up kind of looking like your five-year-old drew something on a, on a piece of paper. H how do you get that under control? What's your, what's your way of kind of getting all those SaaS tools under control? I, I prioritize by data. I look at how what those SaaS tools are, are, are storing, processing, or transmitting. 
uh, from a data perspective, then I could risk them differently, right? If some of them, look, all SaaS partners, like they're, they're valuable to the business in one form or another, uh, but some are riskier than others based on the data that they're processing or storing on our behalf. So those are the ones that I target a little bit more. I kind of focus my attention more on saying, is this something we could bring in house and, and kind of like, you know, do ourselves. If we do need to have a longstanding relationship with this SaaS partner, let's ensure those guardrails and, and responsibilities there. And then obviously the contract. And I hate falling back and saying, hey, contracts, everything. It's not from a tactical perspective. Make sure your, your, your technical control are in there, but always look at that contract as well, just to, to, to make sure that you're you're covered end to end with with those kind of providers. I, I, when I look at SaaS providers too, is I evaluate them based on risk, but also where they fit in the critical path of my experience for my customers. Right? If they are in the critical path, um, especially in security, when I look at my security partners and my security uh, 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 vendors that I work with, if they are part of the critical path of, of delivering the experience to my service provider, that's something that I need to keep very close to myself because um, if I am dependent on a third party to deliver that experience, I'm at a disadvantage. Like I, I want to own the experience 100% and not have not be reliant on a third party for a few reasons, right? Uh, uh, if they fail, it impacts the experience for your customers, that's one. And two, I don't want to innovate at the pace of a vendor. Right. And if that vendor is in my critical path as part of the delivery of my experience to my customers, I'm at a disadvantage. My customers are at a disadvantage because I can't innovate at the pace that they need me to. So that's that's how I kind of like evaluate these SaaS and these vendor products, you know, risk and where they fit in the critical path of, of, of service delivery. So the cloud has helped kind of improve customer experience a little bit because it's allowed us to really scale quicker, add more tools, create more flexibility for, for users. I mean, I'm a big fan. I, I don't have an EA anymore. I have Calendly. It's way <laughs> cheaper and it doesn't give me any lip service. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I'm able to take all four or five of my calendars, put them in one place, create a link, send it to people. I'm able to create one-time links, permanent links, all kinds of stuff and have people schedule it. That's a SaaS, you know, like that's the beauty of cloud Calendly <laughs> technology company that's been able to take advantage of all these different um um, um, products and, and put it all together. And Calendly is not a sponsor of the show, folks. But you know, maybe they should be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I get you. <laughs> but what, what's what, when you look at kind of like the SaaS aspect of it, you know, and all these different apps and all these different APIs that go into the cloud, it starts to create too many pipes coming from too many places. And you know, we're military guys. Like we know when there's too many paths leading to a place that's just spells trouble. How do you start setting security controls for all these different APIs that are, you know, bringing in data, sucking out data and out of a cloud environment that sometimes, like we said, the visibility is a little bit poorer than let's say an on-prem where you kind of know everything that's coming in. You have a little bit more visibility because you know the, the kind of the data coming in and out. No, good question. I'd say the tenants that you would need to set up uh, for your SaaS providers, if they're going to be off of an API endpoint, if there's going to be a, a you know a human login, right? You could put some tenants there. They need to be behind uh, you know certain level of controls that you would put in for that those API endpoints that you would have visibility and control to even kill in the event of right. Or same thing on the user side. So any of these SaaS providers, you would say, hey, you need to 
be able to do SAML so that I could put you behind our SSO or something like that. So you have a little bit more control or visibility of kind of like the users that are going in and out, right? It's uh, you have the ability to 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 uh, I don't want to use the word dictate, but really control that 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 uh, connection you have with those 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 SaaS providers. And and from a security perspective, you should set those tenants. You should say if you're going to you know talk to my environment and 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 uh, you know transact data with me, it's on these terms. It shouldn't be on the vendor's terms, right? Um, this is your data. It's your IP. It's your consumer data. If you are transferring to to a third party or something like that, you should have that that level of responsibility. So you say has to be on my terms and, and, and not a, a, on the SaaS providers terms, right? Yeah, the, the, the SaaS providers, though, oftentimes you, you notice, especially if the SaaS is cloud based, it starts to create a whole new kind of set of challenges because a lot of times they don't even, they, you know, at least I've found in my supply chain, like questionnaires when I'm talking to different SaaS providers. I don't know about your questionnaires. I'm sure you don't. You you've probably haven't written one in a long time at this point. <laughs> you've got I still the see them, though. I still see them. I've kind of built my questionnaire to almost be like the military ASVAT. Same question asked seven different times. So if you lie, see if once, you get the same then, answer. Yeah. See if I get the same answer seven times, yeah. or yeah. if I don't. And um, I find that a lot of times the the misunderstanding between let's say young innovative companies that I know the business needs. Um, to where they are from a security maturity perspective um, is insane. It's, 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 it's very, very challenging. Yeah, no, I think so. I think a lot. Look, startups that are that are aggressive, that are out there, that are, are trying to, to to get business, they're there to 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 build and innovate. They they do sometimes forget about security. It's important, and it's nothing against them, but they're just trying to gain business and trying to get their market share and and, and trying to gain some some visibility. When we do partner with with uh, these startups and these these uh, uh, third parties, that evaluation or that questionnaire, it, it goes back to the basics. What data are we transferring with you? What are you going to be doing with it? Um, are you coming into our environment? If so, how long? Like you get those tenants of what what's going to go on, and you could put some controls, uh, uh, like kind of on, on how they, uh, uh, you know, come into your environment, how, how you manage that relationship. Uh, but you got you, you should definitely have tenants on how you are partnering with these folks. And I always come back to the data aspect of it, right? When, when you partner with these SaaS providers, there's going to be some sort of data you're getting from them or you are, uh, or they're giving to you, right? Just look at that transaction. That'll start the conversation of how much resources you need to put behind that risk, if any, with that transaction of data. Yeah, um, I like that approach. So you being, you, ZocDoc was pretty much a very successful, still is a very successful startup. Um, I know that during COVID, they saved thousands of lives. They provided amazing services to a lot of people. Um, So back then, you were the CISO of a startup who was being that was being evaluated by all these bigger companies. Now you now you've reversed the role, right? Now you're (laughs) the guy looking down at everyone wanting to do business with HBO Max. Um, Do you find that in kind of being in the startup side, you're a little bit more sympathetic to some of the companies that are trying to come in now? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know about the word uh, sympathetic. I think I understand a little bit more. 
but it is true. I do. I do realize it because uh, you know, quite recently, I did have uh, you know an interaction with a with a young startup, and and I knew exactly where they were in their life cycle, and and they were about the business, and they were about the technology, and I was really supportive and appreciative, and but they were candid about where they were with their security program, and that's what I appreciated as well. Right? They were right. saying, hey, we focused on the business. We do want to get here. This is where we're at today. This is where we'll be tomorrow. And I, I welcomed it, right? So I am a little bit more understanding of, of, of where these startups are. Uh, and I support it, man. I, 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 can, I, I was giving them that, that, that re-encouragement that they should continue down that path, and it's going to help with gaining more business because security is such a core component to everything that everybody does in the digital world. So it's always going to be asked when it comes to these to these transactions. So uh, they appreciate it, I think, as well that, that uh, you know, I, I was understanding of where they were, but also in pushing them to, to, to show that it's going to help them get more business. Yeah, um, I, I kind of love, you know, I think of you as, you know, when we first spoke and you were at ZocDoc and I was just like, you know, you're, you're that startup CISO, you know, kind of. Uh, the ability to navigate the waters is a little bit easier. But now, you know, when we look at kind of, you know, being in a larger organization, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot more procedures, a, a lot more policies, you know, even, you know, talking to companies, bringing in onboarding vendors is different. Um, there, there's a lot of different challenges. So are you more keen to look at your supply chain from a, um, a cloud perspective rather than an on-prem perspective? Do you feel more comfortable with cloud maybe than you do with on-prem? Depends on, on the workflow or, or, or the service, but I would say my more, I, I definitely more in, comfortable with cloud. I would push and encourage cloud more actually. Uh, and that's why I say it depends on, on kind of like the workload or the service itself, uh, not covering for 100% because there could be something that, that, that uh, you, you know comes out of left field that, that, that I'm not accounting for. But I, I think most, uh, 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 I think I'm most comfortable with with cloud right now uh, when when it comes to these to you know these these third parties and, and and stuff like that. I think it shows a few things. One, if you're not in the cloud or if you're not doing something, what's up with that? Is there an innovation problem? Is there a fear problem? Is there a, a lack of tech problem? I, I really think most businesses need to compete and, and stay relevant, so they definitely need to to start getting on on, on the cloud and taking more advantage of emerging technology. Brilliant. So if you're not on there, I think it's a red flag for sure. Brilliant. So um, I want to let all of our listeners know that by listening to this podcast and listening this far, you get to earn one CPE. Isn't that awesome? That's really, really cool. That's so awesome. you actually earn a CPE. Um, the link is below to get your CPE and the password is CloudGuard, folks. So just put that awesome. in there and you earn a CPE for listening to Brian's Wisdom, which is a lot more than one CPE, by the way. Like there's about eight or nine here. About oh, thank you. only works for one. Um, thank you. You're too kind, James. <laughs> so, so Brian, as we kind of wrap up, um, I really kind of want to take your best practices around, uh, you know, cloud security and, you know, people that listen to the podcast, you know, everyone's transitioning to the cloud. We're seeing very, very, I mean, I don't want to go down the COVID rabbit hole, right? Because COVID has kind of sparked this digital, and I say that with parentheses, transformation, um, but we're, we're seeing a lot of companies move to the cloud. We're seeing a lot of CISOs now being asked to evaluate cloud security and the CISOs being elevated now to the business table rather than the IT table because yep. now security becomes part of business. And, and we're going to see, we're going to thank COVID in five years from now. I think a lot of CISOs will 
because your position is going to be elevated much, much greater than what it is today. What are some of your best practices? What are some of your kind of like keys to success when you're looking at cloud and transitioning and really buying the business to buy into security and buy into the cloud? I think that the buying into the cloud, there's a, a few things, right? Uh, highlighting the benefits of that cloud migration, right? Or moving to the cloud. I had mentioned earlier about look at your current infrastructure, see the cost that it takes from a maintenance perspective, but what you're using out of it. Again, you're, you own 100% of the capacity of that physical server, but you're probably only using 10% to support your customer. So there's a 90% delta there that you're not getting advantage of. Showing that value when you migrate it to the cloud, I think, is huge from a cost perspective. From a security perspective, it's looking at that legacy infrastructure, that legacy data center, all of those uh, bad habits or data that you're not using, but you're still responsible for from a risk and cost perspective, how you could reduce that. Bring that to the cloud, build natively, reduce that risk and reduce the cost uh, associated to that risk as well. I think those are the two things of how a CISO can help sell that migration to, to executive management and to, and to the board uh, on the value of moving, moving to the cloud. And, and I, I stand by this. I, I do feel that building in the cloud, it, you are more secure than in your traditional data centers appro approach. I, I really 100% believe that, not only because you're building from the ground up, but because of the downstream automation that you could do with the cloud for response and for detection, right? It, like traditional data center or third-party vendor approaches, it's, it's tough to get into that automated space, right? In the cloud, you can reach more towards automation that human element uh, gets eliminated from from kind of like that that uh, detection and response angle, and it get, lets your resources focus on really solving that customer problem or that customer need that you have. Yeah, it's um, I, I love that approach. I love that kind of idea of just integrating it into the business and, and looking at cloud from from that perspective. It's 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 not only refreshing but it's critical because a lot of CISOs, you know, when when you don't know something, you're often trying to find your go-to resource to it. And like I said, the Cloud Security Alliance has some great resources um, in, in terms of cloud controls and security controls and, and understanding the different parts of it. But the way DevOps utilizes cloud changes each and every single day. And you've got to be as a CISO on your toes. So how do you do that? How yeah. are you on your toes when DevOps keeps changing the way they utilize the cloud? Partnership. Partnership, partnership, partnership. Uh, within the HBO Max security team, we have a, a, a DevSecOps team, a cloud security team that works very closely with the SRE team. They work collectively on building uh, this architecture, these Terraform scripts, this reference architecture. They're doing it together, right? Stay close to it. If you come in at the ninth hour from a security perspective to a DevOps, SRE, DRE application team, it's going to be harder for you to, to, to get uh, that risk reduced within that area, right? So partner often, partner early, become a true, true partner and build with the engineers. Don't come in at the end and try to put in some security flavor. It's not going to work. Go go at the ground level, work with them and, and, and help guide them through it. Yeah, I mean, working with DevOps is so critical and having a DevSecOps team is, is even more critical but but building champions, I mean, I remember in our conversation a few years ago, you talked a lot about it being in a startup of having to build those security champions across the org. Do you do you have to do the same also in a, in a company as large as HBMX? 
You do. You do. And it, it's security is different in different organizations, but always reaching out to get those security champions in that area. You are only as good as the information that you have. And if you have champions in areas that you have low visibility that can give you relay that information or help advocate for security in that area, that's what you need. And it starts with partnership, communication and again, reaching out often and early uh, so you can establish those as a foundation. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I love your journey. I can't wait to see what's next for you, man. Like, I'm so psyched. You've been, like, on the forefront of every single digital transformation based on your career, right? Digital music, publishing, now streaming, right? And streaming is going to be crazy because HBO is, is, like you said, you guys are aiming for the top spot, and you guys can acquire that top spot. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, now, one of the most exciting things for me to come to this role was to get into the streaming wars, right? I, I had seen music publishing, and I, I wanted to get into the streaming wars. So excited to be here. And, right, that's and your trifecta, by the way. Tri music, we will take publishing, that video. <laughs> and we will take that top spot. That is our, uh, that's our mission. That's our goal, and we'll get there. You guys have a loyal subscriber here on HBO Max. I mean, thank I, you, James. We appreciate I, the support. I love the content on HBO Max. It's um, it's one of my favorite, uh, you know, streaming channels. I mean, Disney, you know, Disney's Disney, but you know, my daughter loves Disney. I, I'm an HBO guy. Always have been. No, we appreciate the support. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I look forward to more podcasts with you. Absolutely, folks. Brian Lozada, um, Sissa over at HBO Max, folks. Thanks for tuning into our inaugural episode of CISO Secrets. I preserved the Brian for the very first episode because we have so many more great people joining us, but uh, definitely with Brian, this is going to be a blast. Thank you so much, Brian. I really do appreciate it. Folks, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Again, Cloud Guard, earn your one CPE link to get that is below in the description of the podcast. So make sure you click there and claim it. And without further ado, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back with more uh, next week. Until then, Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. James Azar signing off. Thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues.